Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to. Because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from. Some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy. So we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Muddy Knees Media. And welcome to Series Linked in association with Paddy Power. I'm TV journalist Emma Bullymore, and as ever, I'm joined by Mark Jeffries from The Mirror. On this week's podcast, we are joined by possibly the funniest siblings of the century. It's Charlie and Daisy Mae Cooper from this country. And of course, me and Jeffers will be leaving you with a couple of top telly tips for the week ahead. You're listening to Series Linked, the podcast for TV fans by TV fans. You're right, Jeffers. How's it going? Yeah, really well, thanks. You? Yeah, good. Thanks. I feel like telly's really ramping up now. I've got some couple of good trailers out. Yeah, we've seen uh, seen the liar trainer on ITV. I think that's really strong. Uh, Joe Throwback. That ended on a bit of a cliffhanger, so I'm quite excited by that. We've also seen this week. There's a picture from uh, some of the Catalina duty. Woo! They've had the read through for series six. That is probably one of the most eagerly awaited dramas that we've got coming this year or, or, or next year as it may be are you interested in that one i'm excited i wasn't thrilled with how the last series ended after all that time you know about h and then it, it was a bit of a cop out at the end but i have full faith that's going to be brilliant the next series i'll be really excited for it when it comes along yeah i think you're right there's always a chance with line of duty that it can go back up i agree i think the last series probably peaked in the middle we had stephen graham's death but after that last episode particularly i think was a bit ott and, and didn't quite work out but it's always got potential to go back up again i think I know you're excited about this interview we're doing today, though, because this is, for you, this is a big deal. It's been revealed that the upcoming series of the BAFTA-winning sitcom This Country will be the last. We caught up with the creators and stars Charlie and Daisy Mae Cooper, and Jeffers was delighted with the whole situation. I mean, I think this is possibly my favourite favourite interview that, that we've got to do yet. West Country crew in the house, there's three of us outnumbering. Um, there were all... secret handshakes, yeah. it was, you know... And I, and I just really love this series. I think it's a good idea. They're going to go out on a high. And uh, yeah, we're just really excited to speak to them. And they're just so, they're so funny. So here they are. This is Charlie and Daisy Mae Cooper from this country. We've had two series and a special now. So um, the special sort of tied up some loose ends last year. Where are we going with the third series? So the first series, I'd say, was more curtains arc. Then I think Kerry's was the second series. And now I think this actually is more the Vicar's story, getting to know the Vicar a bit more. And Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we find a bit more about his backstory, why he is the way he is and... Yeah, he gets a little bit tested a bit more, I think, in the series. And were there any reservations with going with a third series? There's a lot of other big BBC comedies that I really like, Fleabag, The Office, a lot of them cut it off after two. I just wondered, 
when's the right time to cut it off? Do you just keep doing it until you have good ideas? Well, we just really needed the money, didn't we? This year? <laughs> so we thought, let's do a third series. I mean, we were really scraping the barrel, to be honest, because it was like some of it writing, it was like coughing up rusty old nails. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard. <laughs> Cause it's the, that and we first... get paid a bit in advance as well, which is even worse. Yeah. <laughs> the first series was about was twenty odd years in the making, really collecting storylines, funny lines here and there, and then second series was great, but a little bit harder. And then third series, yeah, it was tough, especially trying to sustain you know a program that about a village where nothing happens, and the whole theme is about boredom and isolation. So that was tricky, but. Um, but I think we revert back to a bit more series one, a bit more just Kerry and Curtin alone together, which is quite nice. It found its audience very quickly, really. You were toast to the BAFTAs. It was all really exciting. How did you react to the reaction to the show when it first hit? Well, we were on Twitter when, we, when it first came out. Yeah. Just typed in the hashtag this country and we could see everything. And there was one bloke who said, this is shite. Pile <laughs> <laughs> of shite. There was a lot of Switched that. Switched off after five minutes. Generally, it was positive and it, it was just, we had no idea how it go down. We thought, well, maybe just people in the Cotswolds will get it or, but people know, identified with it pretty quickly, which was just the best feeling. Because of social media now, you can look up, you know, what anyone ever says. So you get that instant feedback, which is sort of scary, but amazing. You put so much of yourselves into it. It's not just you turn up and do some acting, you know, you've written it, you're was it producing it as well. You're, you're so involved in it. Yes, yeah, no. It's like your baby, really. And I think that's why it's so difficult when you see things on social media. Where somebody said, Kerry's got more chins than a Chinese phone book. And I thought, well, I haven't actually written that about the character. That's just my weight. <laughs> so that was a bit upsetting. People have really responded to it, haven't they? And we found that it's quite universal, like... Lots of people, for like people in Australia will say, oh my God, that's so like the village that I grew up in. And you're like, oh, well, that's the other side of the world. And it's great that it resonates with everybody. At the BFI screening the other week, you did say that this is going to be the last series. I just wondered why you came to that conclusion. Is it because it's getting harder to get the new storylines? Yeah, we never said when we started writing initially that we would do free series or it just felt felt right I think yeah I mean also we lost uh, Michael Slugs who played Slugs this year and I don't think it was until filming the third series that we realised how much of an integral part of the show he was and that was like another reason that it felt like it's now come to its natural end like I wouldn't want to do any more without him as well yeah we really felt his absence and it was um, I, th- I think we know deep down it, we're excited to, to do other shows write some something completely different so yeah we'll see and the first episode is obviously called A, a Letter From Slugs it's a bit of a sort of warm humorous tribute to Michael C- can you talk a bit about how that came about well I mean Michael was just so funny like and I know he's great on screen but uh, he was also really annoying <laughs> Well, he always wanted to be in the series, whether he was here or not. So we wanted to have him in it, of course. So it's just trying to have him there in spirit, but not there physically. So I think it was one of the last episodes we wrote. I think the last one, I think we went through loads of different ideas. But then the whole idea of Slugs, the character in general, is that he comes into a scene, dumps some sort of like inf- shit stirring information and then f***s off again. So it was like, how can he do that? But sort of be on the grave in letter form so 
he's, he always had such great humour, Michael, so he just wanted to be yeah, involved in any way. And was that, the, without digging too deep, was that the most difficult episode to film as well, I imagine? Yeah, really tough. Yeah, and because we were saying it's sort of trying to separate how Charlie and Daisy feel about Michael compared to what Kerry and Curtin feel about him. So, yeah, it was so much the emotion crept into those scenes and it was trying to sort of, you know... You know, being the heads of Carrying Curtain. Are you going to miss playing these two characters though? Because they look like they'd be great fun to play, and especially you with each other, it just looks like it would be a scream. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. Uh, we will miss it, but the thing is, we are these people in real life, actually. So, it, what happens on camera happens off camera. We are constantly at each other's throats. I'm the lazy one. You're the pedantic one. So we're just playing extended characters in real life <laughs> so you'll never get bored or bored of it or miss it so is there much ad-libbing could you just basically turn up and do it if it's an extension of what you usually are like yeah i mean that's a great thing about it is that because we are, we are the two main characters so even when we start writing the series we're naturally just rehearsing and we're able to improvise so so much of the story comes from that that really helps um, but yeah, I mean, it will it will carry on behind the scenes, won't we? When you're looking at new projects, are you wanting to work together? Oh, we'd have to work together, I think. I mean, the, the only thing is, I think, oh, could I possibly write with someone else? And then I think, no, because mum would be upset because she'd be on the phone going, your brother needs the money and you've cut him out. But I also think that if I was writing with a friend, I wouldn't be able to say... God, I think that line's not going to work. I think that's crap. I completely go over the top and go, oh, yeah, I think it's brilliant because I can't tell people no. You're the only person I can say this is shite to on a regular basis and you not get upset. Yeah, it works, which is, well, I mean, there's times when it doesn't. But um, no, we're lucky to have, I couldn't imagine doing it on my own. So to have someone else, especially your sibling, is amazing. And you guys are growing up and maturing in real life, though. You're a mum now. Um, are there any signs of the characters maturing in this in this series? I think they do come on a bit sort of emotionally, but no, I think they're just as sort of lost and as kind of inept as, as ever, would you say? You probably, I'm saying inept, yeah. I don't even know what that word means, I just want to throw it in to sound intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right word, right? Yeah, no, I, I think from the first suit, th there's a little bit of growth there, but never too much, otherwise there's no comedy, really. And what's it like being a mum? Because um, on Instagram, you look like you'd be, you look like you're a very fun mum. You, your daughter's uh, think she's called Buckbeak from Harry Potter, isn't she? <laughs> Um, if you, I don't know if she that's does. true or not, like, but it looks like you've, you've sort of given her a nickname and she's there. It's rich. It just suddenly stuck. We, I don't know why we started calling her it, but then I got called in to her nursery the other day and they said, we have to sit you down, Mr and Mrs Weston. We're extremely concerned about your daughter thinking that her name is Buckbeak. <laughs> so we actually have to go in sort of now once every two weeks to have like a plan of how we get her away from thinking that her name is a mythical creature from a Harry Potter film. Oh, God, I'm just like the worst, worst ever mother. I think anyway. that makes you a cool mom. Yeah, it looks fun. Oh, God. I, was, I, I shouldn't tell you this story, actually, but the worst thing, I was FaceTiming my dad, who's, uh, who's Martin Mutley, so her grandfather, 
And she goes into my bedside drawer and pulls out my vibrator and starts waving it to my dad. So I have to take it off her and shove it in the drawer. And she has a full-blown tantrum because I won't let her wave my vibrator at my father. For God's sake. So that was, yeah, a pretty, pretty low point in parenting, I must say. See, it feels like that has to go into a yeah. script. Oh, that feels like an episode for a few years' time, yeah. <laughs> There's got to be the temptation to revisit them in, like, ten years' time, when they've really grown up a lot. Well, when we need the money, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be milking that gravy train. 42. I think we'll always be wondering what they're doing or what they're up to, so it's... There's definitely, well, potentially a Christmas special or something in the future. Yeah, I would love that. That would be great. We've seen you, Charlie, in A Confession, one of our favourite shows uh, of recent years. Was that kind of out of the blue for you? Because we know you as a comedy actor, or did you always fancy doing something that... Because it's not just dramatic, it was dark. Yeah, really dark. I, yeah, I never considered doing anything, because well, this country is the only thing I've ever acted in. I was, was never even meant to be in it until quite late on in the process and and then I think the director Paul Andrew Williams wanted to see me um I met with him and yeah he was amazing told me about the project and and I growing up and down the road from Swindon I was conscious of when it happened about Sean and it felt like a challenge but a challenge I could do and it was yeah a huge step for me personally but just amazing to be part of that and with that cast and Martin Freeman, Melda Staunton was just, yeah, I was pinching myself most of the time. But Mike, we see you both writing something very different, a drama or something a bit darker. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's kind of, we'd love to try writing a drama because we've only ever, or at least a sort of dramedy would be quite fun to do. Yeah, definitely. But no, it was amazing. I mean, yeah, it couldn't have been more different to this country, but at the same time, still had sort of similar aspects. It was both quite naturalistic and in that respect. And Daisy, you're in a David Copperfield feature film and a HBO series, I think. So what's that like doing stuff on your own as well? It's been amazing because you're actually working with people other than your family members. <laughs> <laughs> and a big budget, I imagine, on a big thing like a feature film, slightly different scale. Yeah, it's maybe. great. The trailers are uh, massive compared to the bloody BBC ones. You can't swing a cat round in those, can you? Good catering as well, I good imagine. Ca- yeah. Really Normally good catering, good. yeah, that's great. But I was really lucky because both of those things were directed by Armando Inucci. So he's just amazing and works so similarly to how we do with like improv and loosening stuff up a bit. So I was really lucky to... It was an easy transition. And how do you sort of feel about having to do that kind of thing get yourself out there a bit more maybe have to audition for stuff does that make you excited for, for the coming year or do you feel a bit nervous oh this country nervous stuff? I think yeah it's a weird it's going to be a weird crossroads I think having you know it's only ever been this country and we've never we've always found it quite difficult to work on other stuff while we're doing the show so we've got a few ideas for things but yeah it was sort of a bit of a crossroads in the moment using that time to get inspired and watch other stuff and what kind of things do you both watch what inspires you well, we love like just history and historical stuff maybe doing a period thing in the future that'd be amazing but anything really documentaries i don't get a chance to watch anything other than poor patrol in our household which is really really depressing it's such an amazing time for comedy at the moment like incredible like writer performers just a great time for comedy so it's great to collaborate in the future with with other comedians would be quite fun and it can be a strange industry how much does it mean to you both having each other to ask for advice or a second opinion genuinely couldn't do it by myself so yeah i could probably do it no you couldn't (laughs) 
you wouldn't get out of bed <laughs> trying to get you to work in the morning is a nightmare yeah we work for about two hours a day <laughs> after lunch it's just no go so you're the organizer he's the organizer but i do a really clever thing where I ask him about his fishing, which gets him distracted from work. He's like, with the geography teacher, I used to talk to him about the favourite football team, and then they just get distracted from the lesson. And it works, because you, your, your ego is massive about your fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to know most excited that, No, he was most excited about getting an Angler's Monthly than any other magazine or newspaper. Angling Times, Angler. actually. <laughs> Yeah, framed on my wall. It doesn't get any better than that. What is the process though? So one of you goes to the other one's house and it's one of you the writer on a laptop. How does it kind of work, the writing process? I lie on the bed vaping. (laughs) (laughs) He's on the laptop saying, for f**k's sake, we really have to do some work now. And then I say, oh, why don't we watch this? Because this is really good. This might be a really good reference to something. And then we just watch a documentary and don't do any work. (laughs) I find writing... Are really difficult but when it hits you you can be up from like till like three in the morning writing but but you can yeah. wait like two weeks totally it's knowing when to give in and just call it a day i think that's we probably do it too often but that's really important when something when now, it's not no, happening, now you know to do that because you, you would met, sit and make us do work yeah only to the point <laughs> I'm annoyed where with you. we found like an old cardboard tube and a mouldy lemon and we started playing baseball with it and then started creating these different rules for it and that just got that took up like three days of writing time <laughs> in the new series Kerry does at least briefly have a new job so I just wondered if you guys weren't doing this what kind of job do you think you'd have in the real world Definitely work at the recycling centre. I think that is so much freedom, though. You just sit with the lads, chat with the lads, people bring in their old, I don't know, hi-fis, and you get to smash them with a crusher. That is the best. You'd want to be on the seas doing fishing or something with a boat, maybe? Trawlerman. Trawler, yeah. No, i get seasick, so that would be, <laughs> be a disaster. I don't know. <laughs> I worked at Argos before, so I'd probably still be there. In the, in the story. I don't think so, because didn't you accidentally give away a, a, a whole computer free to somebody? <laughs> and you got two warnings or something? Yeah, I did get in trouble How for does that. somebody mistakenly give away a free computer? Well, they asked for like some little gold-plated earrings and you just handed over a computer. <laughs> <laughs> a guy was returning a faulty computer and I can't quite remember what happened in the middle, but the end result was just me handing him two computers. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, yeah, I was, I was in trouble Two that much. Computers, that is extraordinary. Just imagine him watching this country, being like, "That's the guy, that's the guy yeah. that gave me two computers." But you know what? I, I often think, I gave him probably one of the best days of his life. He must have been <laughs> over the moon. So, yeah, that warms my soul knowing that. Thanks to Charlie and Daisy May. Series three of This Country starts on Monday night at 10.35 on BBC One. And of course, it will be on the iPlayer as well. Time now to welcome back our friend Amy Jones from Paddy Power, who's here with the latest odds 
to help us try and predict the future of the small screen. Hi, Amy. Hey, how are we? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling quite smug because I managed to get a couple of Oscars ones. Yes, right? you did. Oh. You did. And I feel like I should say that because that's not going to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see how you can do with the Brits because that's on telly on Wednesday. I'll do my level best. <laughs> I'll do my level best. So in, in terms of the Brits, the, the kind of stuff that we see the most interesting would be things like male solo artists and female solo artists. And the male solo artists, unsurprisingly... The favourite is Lewis Capaldi. He is odds on at once too. And I think he's been the most nominated artist of the whole awards this year. Um, so he's the favourite. But I actually think there could be a little bit of value in Storms at 4-1 because obviously there was Glastonbury last year and like yeah, his album come out, which was really popular. I, I could see a little bit of value there and Lewis Capaldi can't win everything, right? Yeah, and also, you know, they like him at the Brits and they did that amazing performance. He's in with that crowd I could see him winning Harry Styles out at 2021 which I'm a bit surprised I thought he would be a bit closer to the front he's performing on the night I think as well as Lewis Capaldi so I don't suppose that's any indication of who's won but presumably that means he's he's fairly popular as well yeah I saw that and also he's relatively short price for album of the year is Harry Styles he's only 10 to 1 for album of the year so obviously again Lewis Capaldi's the favourite if I can going to get a bit bored of saying his name but yeah I thought that quite high at 2021 especially when he's only 10 to 1 for album of the year I feel like uh, for TV audiences, what they care about really is the show and the entertainment and the host. Jack Whitehall, is this Jeffers' third year? Yes, yeah, his third year. So I would say probably nearing the end of the usual sort of run you get. What are the odds on him presenting again or do you think he'll get replaced next year? Yeah, like you say, we're pretty confident that next year he won't be around. He's odds on. He's 1-4 to four not to present again next year or 8-1 to one to still be presenting next year. So our traders are pretty confident that this will be his last year. So who might replace him? There's a bit of a mixed bag here in this list from uh, straight from our traders. We've got Graham Norton at two to one, Emma Willis three to one, Stacey Dooley's in there at four to one. One that I found quite interesting here was Alexa Chung. Don't know if she's seen. She's just done that Netflix show that's on at the minute. She's nine to two. Could see it, but I don't know about in terms of if you've just had Jack Whitehall and the comedy and all that. Whether I could see any of those names, I'm not entirely convinced. I think Dooley is a strange bet. I mean, I know she's popular, but the Brits really. It's a difficult gig, isn't it? Everyone there, a lot of people are are sort of drinking a lot. It's it's a hard audience to sort of please, being Jack White or James Corden. So generally sort of comedic backgrounds. Emma Willis, I guess, is free to one because she's seen as a very safe pair of hands, ITV friendly. Jack's been pretty good, but I think it's just a hard act to follow because it's just generally quite a difficult gig in, in general, yeah. I see you've priced up Clarkson. Yeah, 100 to 1. Very, very unlikely. Don't think quite cool enough for that one. I think it would be, I would watch for sure. I'd tune in, wouldn't you? He'd be interesting if nothing else, yeah. Um, Looking looking a bit further back, you've got Dermot 8 to 1. I guess he's got the experience, but I think if anything, with a lot of these awards, they need to kind of light up. I think they need to try and be a bit different. We've seen with with the BAFTAs and some other ones this year already, the ratings are down a little bit. Mm. And I think they kind of need maybe a new, new name or something just to freshen them up a bit, really. Join Ruby Walsh, Paddy Power, Tom Nugent and a whole host of great guests each week on Paddy Power's new racing podcast, From the Horse's Mouth. Tune in for analysis, interviews and a bit of crack. Ruby is the expert, Tom holds it together and Paddy, well, Paddy's funding the whole thing so he insisted that he gets to be involved. (laughs) The first episode is available to download now. You're listening to Series Linked. Make sure you've subscribed to the channel as next week, joining us is the one and only Imelda Staunton. That's almost it for this episode of Series Linked, but we can't let you go without a couple of telly recommendations 
from me and Jeffers. So what's caught your eye this week, Jeffers? Yeah, I'm going to tip up The Pharmacist. It's a four-part documentary on Netflix. I'm only halfway through, but it's got me really gripped, so I want to tip it up. Um, It's all around uh, a guy called Dan Schneider. His son, Danny, was murdered in 1999. Um, He was really dissatisfied with the way the police were handling it. And so for that reason, he started to tape a lot of the conversations between him and the police. You've got incredible audio because the way police handled it is a drug murder linked to drug deal. And so they're not really very interested. This father works really hard to try and track down the murderer. And then it's going to move on in more general terms to how basically there's a real drug epidemic in that area. And it's prescription drugs, um, a sort of area that Louis Theroux's mentioned before, how serious it is and how it's, the pharmacies aren't really helping the situation. So it's, it's quite a serious one. Uh, yeah, actually, I've picked a documentary as well. This is Rio and Kate's Becoming a Step Family. I wasn't really sure how I felt about this to start with. Obviously, Rio Ferdinand did that very moving documentary about being a single dad after losing his wife uh, and and how that left him feeling and how he was going to raise these three children on his own. Uh, this has moved on. He's now uh, with Kate, his new partner. They've been together a little while. And it's really about her rather than him. You know, she's a, a former TOWIE star. Um, but it's really about her coming into this world. And his parents aren't keen. The children have warmed her a bit, I think, but she feels like she's never quite doing a good enough job. She constantly feels judged, doesn't know what she's doing. I actually felt really sorry for her. I thought it was really interesting. I've never had a sort of step family situation in my own life. But I I just thought, wow, that is there's a lot to be dealing with there. And I'd never really thought about those issues before. Again, I thought they were very honest, very open. And it, it was another brilliant documentary, which I think is going to be helpful to people in the way that his last one was. Well, and a situation which a lot of people will have to deal with, I guess, in the coming years. Obviously not with that, without the sort of showbiz elements, but just the simple fact of a stepmom coming into people's lives. I think that happens often, doesn't it? Yeah, so two quite serious picks from us, but uh, I think they're worth watching. Definitely. Brilliant. Thanks, Jeffers. That's all we've got time for. This has been the Series Linked podcast in association with Paddy Power. If you've enjoyed it, and we really hope you have, then go on, do us a favour, leave us a five-star rating and a review if you'd be really nice to us. And make sure you've subscribed as well so you can catch the next episode when it drops on Thursday morning. For now, though, bye-bye. See you next week. Muddy Knees Media. It's JCPenney's coupon giveaway this Saturday, and shoppers ready at the door save more. You can save $10, $100, or $500 off your entire purchase, including doorbusters. Set your alarm for 9 a.m. Saturday, December 17th to get your coupon while they last. JCPenney's Super Saturday Sale. We got your holiday. Offer good on select styles 1217. Exclusions apply. Coupon giveaway in-store only while supplies last. Must be 18 or older. See store for details.